Hey, this is Jorma Kalkinen from Jefferson Airplane and Hot Tuna, and you are listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology. Pantheon Podcast presents from Hollywood, California, the Devil's Music with Pleasant Gaming. You are invited to join the Hollywood princess as she explores her lifelong pursuits in the occult, sex, love, and that sinful rock and roll. Ladies and gentlemen, step into the dark parlor of Pleasant Gaiman as she brings you the devil's music. Hi, I'm Pleasant Gaiman. And welcome to The Devil's Music, a Pantheon podcast. As the devil himself apparently once said via the Rolling Stones, please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a rock and roll witch from Hollywood, California. My obsession with music and the occult started at the age of 12 and is still going strong. During the 70s, I was one of the first punks in Los Angeles. I worked at the Whiskey A Go-Go and had a Xerox fanzine called Lobotomy, which led me to writing a rock and roll gossip column in the LA Weekly, which in turn led me to writing for every major rock publication you could think of. In the 80s through the 90s, I fronted three bands. I'm a best-selling author with eight books out and more on the way. For the past 30 years, I've been a professional dancer who's toured around the globe teaching and performing. And you've probably seen me dancing in a number of music videos, feature films, and documentaries. I'm also an actor with several film credits. Find out more about me at PleasantGaiman.com. I'm really excited to be a part of the Pantheon podcast network of rock and roll shows. Everyone at Pantheon tells spectacular stories about the music we love so much, each one with a different twist. Find them all at PantheonPodcast.com, as well as on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio.com, Pandora, hell, I just had to say that, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what we're doing here, head on over to PantheonPodcast.com and share a show with a friend, or I'll put a spell on you. Kidding. This is Pleasant Gaiman, and you're listening to the Devil's Music Podcast. Today's guest is Dave Catching, guitar genius, bon vivant, and a peak experience trapped in a human body. The bands he's been in are absolutely legendary. Here's a short list. Eagles of Death Metal, Queens of the Stone Age, 80s cowpunk superstars Tex and the Horseheads, and most recently, the Mojave Lords. Dave and I have known each other since the early 80s and we're actually in two bands together, the Ringling Sisters and our joke band side project, Honk If You're Horny, which was an X-rated country band, or as Dave put it, country music without the O. So please welcome, from the high desert, one of the most fun individuals you'll ever have the privilege of hearing, Dave Catching. I heard the music from the carousel Floating on the breeze Not too many people out today Summer's over That's when I met Kimberly Rose She was out on the boardwalk with a man Out on the boardwalk on a lonely Sunday But something wasn't right The man looked rugged if you want to be nice about it he looked like he'd been sleeping under the pier 
she was so lovely. Isn't she pretty? The man asked. Yes, she's lovely, I agree. Her name is Kimberly Rowan. Kimberly Today, my guest is Dave Catching. He's been in so many bands and has his dirty little calloused guitar playing fingers in so many things. I hope we can get to it all today. But uh, Dave and I have known each other since 1983. We met on... um, the first night his band was in Hollywood. So we'll try to go in chronological order here, but um, it might turn out more chronic than chronological. (laughs) Okay. Hi, Dave. Hi, Pleasant. It's so good to see you. I miss you a lot and I love you. I always miss you. Um, You and I have had, I think like more psychotic episodes with each other in more places across the country (laughs) and and almost in a different country um, than anybody else I can think of. I think that goes for me too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I can't, I can't even like, we'll, we'll just try to get to some of the most insane, insane stuff here. So um, before we launch into it, um, the horrifying stories. I just want to say that uh, Dave has been in so many bands. And when I met him, he was in the modifiers and they had just come in from Memphis, Tennessee to Hollywood. But um, you've also been in Texan and the Horseheads. You've been in two bands that we had together. One was called the Ringling Sisters. And then one was, was an X-rated country music band called Honk If You're Horny that was supposed to be a joke. Um, what, like you've been in Eagles of Death Metal and were you in, I can't even remember all the bands that you've been in. You're in um, Mojave Lords right now. Yeah, and Earthling still. Oh yeah, uh, Earthling. What, uh, uh, what else? Uh, Queens of the Stone Age. I played with Mondo Generator, Yellow Number no. 5. Brant Bjork's on uh, Desert Sessions. Uh, I played on Peach's album. Which uh, one? A Father Fucker. (laughs) (laughs) Figures you played on that, you motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, that would be a good one. Uh, Man, so many. I can't. Masters Reality, I still play with. Oh, that's right. See, like, I can, I mean, you can tell I did my research for this. <laughs> no, but, I mean, because we've known each other so long, it's kind of in my DNA. But then, like, the, you know, the, the, um, all the doctors and chemists weren't there to extract it from me. So um, <laughs> let's try to go semi chronologically. Let's talk about how we've first met and then we'll get into like some of the more delicious really terrifying details well we first met the first night my band the modifiers we drove across country from memphis to open up for the gun club at the cafe de grand and we got there a couple of days early uh and the first night we were there nick heist was playing and we were with them (laughs) And we met you, Tex, Laura, and Iris all on the same first night. So, so like, wait, just to clarify for listeners, he's talking about Texacala Jones from Tex and the Horseheads. Um, Laura Bennett from my band, The Screaming Sirens. She was our bass player. Iris Berry, who now publishes Punk Hostage Press. She's the publisher and was also in a band called The Lame Flames then. And all of us girls were working at Cathay de Grand as bartenders and waitresses, which was probably the most dangerous thing on earth because we were all total like 80s alkies and all of us lived in the same house except for Tex who always crashed at our house. And, everybody and it, your house. <laughs> yeah, everybody did. I know people think I'm making it up when I tell them who, who would crash at my house for weeks. They're like, you're just dropping names. And I was, I'm like, oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> 
my husband we went in because we were friends with the nick heist guys we we played with black flag in memphis and and nick heist because they were their roadies and uh at one point we looked around and our singer milford had disappeared and we asked Texacala if she had seen him and she said that he had left the club with a questionable lady of the evening and uh, and coming from her that, that she must have been really questionable <laughs> and she took us outside because she was she, I don't know but she took us into the alley and there was Milford knocked out unconscious with his pants down around his knees he'd been robbed he had a giant knot on his head and we took him back inside, and I remember you and Iris and uh, Laura all helped put ice on his head and were helping us get it together and asked where we were staying. We said we had no idea because we just rolled into town and decided to go out. And you said that we could stay at Disgraceland that night. So our very first night in Hollywood, I met four people who were still great friends, and we ended up staying with you the very first night we were in town. Yeah, and, and we were... like a million people there, too. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that night when you, um, when you guys came in, that was the night that, like, there was nobody at the bar and the club was really crowded. And then finally the owner, Michael, went outside to the parking lot, not the alley that you're talking about. And, and it was um, Iris, Texacala, and me everyone that was supposed to be behind the bar. And I think Laura was like in the bathroom making out with someone, but there was nobody minding the bar. And Tex was laying with her head on a parking curb and her tray on her stomach, smoking a joint. And Iris and I were drinking straight out of a bottle of Jack Daniels that we had taken with us from the bar. And, <laughs> and we never got fired for shit like that. I used to book that club and also, um, I got 86 from there one time for like throwing, throwing bottles, like empty beer bottles across the room. So they'd smash on the wall. And the owner, Michael Brennan was like, okay, pleasant. You're 86. And I was like, you can't 86 me. I'm the club booker and I work here. And he, and he's like, well, you can come in during the daytime to book the bands, but you're 86 after 7 PM for the next month. <laughs> but so, you can't come in here and have fun. You can come in here and work and do all the hard stuff. Yeah. But, um, but when, when you, when I, the only thing I remember clearly about our first night is I was so wasted and I think I had also taken acid. I'm pretty sure there was some kind of hallucinogenic in there that I was like, like cleaning out like Milford's wounds on his head. And like, he had some cuts on his hand and his face and stuff. And I just was telling him, like, you look like you look like an almost dead, resurrected Confederate soldier. Because <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. He looks like the uh, I can't remember the actor's name, the dude that's on Walking Dead. Uh, oh, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Daryl. I, I used to I used to know Daryl because um, when I was cougaring out with an, an art student that was like um, 17 years, my junior. <laughs> <laughs> he was in art school with Norman Reedus before he yeah. even attained the notion. But he does look a little bit like Milford, huh? He does. Yeah, he he always reminds me of Milford. They have the same gene pool. But um, so then eventually you started. Like, what was the first band in Hollywood you played with? Was it Tex and the Horseheads? After the Modifiers. Yeah. Yes, Tex and the Horseheads. I I started playing with them when I was still in the modifiers, but we weren't really, the modifiers weren't really doing a lot and Tex was getting a lot of gigs. So I ended up just staying and, you know, playing with her. And then we got invited to play together with you and Ringling sisters. Yeah. And then, um, and then the Ringling sisters, my band that I had with Iris Berry and Annette Zelinskis from blood on the saddle and originally Tex and, um, Johnette, like we were just Johnette Napolitano from Concrete Blonde and Debbie Patino from Mazibe. We just started off. It was remember it was going to be like just a writing group because we were all lead singers and everyone played so loud no one could hear the lyrics. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, 
So we were having a writing group where we would just like read each other's stuff we'd written and like work on it together and critique it, whether it was lyrics or short stories or poems. And then you and um, Gary Dixon started started um, putting Gary music Eaton. to Gary Eaton. Sorry, um, started doing music to stuff we had written without our knowledge, and then you played it for us. <laughs> so that, those rehearsals, those rehearsals were really fun. They were at your house on Fountain. I mean, uh, Franklin, right? Yeah. Franklin? Yeah, 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 yeah. You and Laura Bennett lived there. So yeah. for a while, I thought Laura was in the band because she was there all the time, too. Yeah, and then um, then, then the Ringling Sisters turned into a full-blown band. And um, when and we got signed to Ode Records by Lou Adler, who produced our, our um, the Ringling Sisters record, 60 Watt Reality, which got sort of lost in the shuffle of when Phillips bought A&M. But we were like sort of, I'm saying this in huge air quotes for all you listeners out there. We had a huge following on college radio. <laughs> but we were the, ahead but, of our time. Yeah, we were ahead of our time. But um, the sickest thing that, that used to happen in our rehearsals, though, was like when everyone else would be like working out some part or when someone would be late, you and I would start like just fucking around. You'd start playing like George Jones or something, and then I'd start making up X-rated lyrics to it. <laughs> and um, so we started having fake bands. I mean, Dave and I would just call it fake bands until they became real. And one was going to be a heavy metal band called Bloodline. <laughs> Remember Bloodline? Yes. And then um, tell everyone what, what our band that was supposed to be a one-night joke but lasted for over five years was. Honk if you're horny. Yes, it was country music. We played country music without the O. <laughs> and we had um, Dave's name. We all had like fake names. My name was Kanya Fucker. Dave was George Bones. Rob Zabrecki from Possum Dixon was Fuck Owens. Um, and, <laughs> and that's the one. Be- he had the best name for sure. Who did? Yours and Rob's were the best names for sure. Spank, yeah, Williams. Oh, Spank Williams was pretty good too. <laughs> and um, oh, Homer, Homer sexual. Oh yeah, Homer sexual, and then good. and then also Foster from um, Extra Fancy. When he joined, we were afraid he was going to be. I remember. I think you were concerned that he was going to be too straight and normal until he came into one of the. 11 rehearsals that we had in five years. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, he like, he just like wandered into my house and he goes, hi, my name's Arson Lynch. Anybody got any crystal? <laughs> 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 but so, um, so tell, tell, tell the listeners what Honk If You're Horny was like, and then I'll, I'll talk about it with you. Well, we had so many different people in the band. Jay saws Nikki too. He was he was the uh, what was his name again? Uh, Hot Rod. His Hot name Rod. was Dwight Hot Rod Strokem instead of Dwight Oakum. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like a cross uh, between Jim Dandy Mangrum and, um, and Dwight Oakum. I, I don't think if you could. I don't think you could come up with a more terrifying look for a band if you try. <laughs> and. And there was disregard for anything uh, sacred. Or we would, we, I, 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 you know, we got you got in trouble one night because you talked a guy into masturbating with cheese whiz because we served cheese whiz and crackers. And the guy Wait, by, us, by my boyfriend who was yes. who was a drag queen on roller skates called Lovely <laughs> Connie Rubbermaid. And I used to hide his skates because I didn't want him to learn how to skate. I wanted him to just crash into tables and have to stop <laughs> by sitting did. on people's laps. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite, I don't, re- I don't know if you remember this, but one time we, that night that we played at the coconut teaser where the guy did that, uh, I borrowed my friend's station wagon who he <laughs> left at my house and we had all drank a lot of mushroom margaritas, psychedelic <laughs> mushroom margaritas. And I lived right above the, the coconut teaser on Laurel Canyon. And we came down the hill 
and someone pulled out in front of the car in front of me super fast. So they slammed on their brakes and the station wagon didn't have brakes. And I, they, they worked a little bit, but I, I hit the car in front of us with a car full of people dressed for honk of your horny. I, we, I all had, but we all had black eyes and we were wearing <laughs> shirts and said, like, I go from zero to bitch in 60 seconds. And Annette, Annette and I had on white pumps and little white lace socks like the chicks wear in ZZ Top videos. But they were already, they were covered in stale cheese whiz, so they stunk like vomit. <laughs> I, I was wearing. You get out of wait. You got out of the car trying to be normal. Like here's my license and here's my registration. But you were wearing. You're wearing like red long johns with the drop seat down and your ass hanging out. <laughs> White cowboy boots, the straw hat, no teeth. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. We all blacked our teeth out. <laughs> and the girl, the girls in front, the girls were super cool. They acted like it was normal. That was the funniest part. <laughs> And they, I, I, you know, I jumped out. I was like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" And they're like, "Yeah, we're fine." I'm like, "Oh my god, here's my license." And they're like, "No, there's nothing wrong with the car." Like the only time in LA that's ever happened where someone didn't come out holding their neck and wanting to sue. Right, that's and because I, you scared the shit out of them. It was like deliverance <laughs> rear-ended them. And I was, I was like, "If you, if you nice ladies want to come to our show, we're playing right across the street, right there. We'll put you on the guest list and." Come on in and have a good time. And they're like, yeah, we'll that's you, okay. We'll give you the VIP treatment. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But I don't, but then we went in and that's when the dude jerked off with the cheese whiz. But I don't no. think we got 86 from that. Oh, we yes, we did. Yes, we did. Here's what happened. Like, I, I remember I had, I had, cut, I had spent like all week cutting out coupons from various, you know, circulars. Uh, for supermarkets and the only coupons we had on stage and I had hundreds of them said 69 cents. <laughs> <laughs> and so somehow that night I was like, I'm going to find, I'm going to find me a cute man and I'm going to make him jerk off on my beautiful, pristine white pumps using cheese whiz as a lube. And this was before I understood that I was like really psychic, but I just, I looked in the audience and I just picked the guy. I just pointed to him and he immediately came up on stage and dropped thousands. Yep. So, <laughs> and lovely Connie Rubbermaid covered, uh, covered his dick with cheese whiz and he started jerking off. And then the sound man was yelling through the monitor, stop it. You have to stop it right now. And then, and I was like, come on, baby, come on. Like that. And the guy was like, and so then, then like he cut the sound and then he's like, you have to get off stage. And he was, and then they cut the lights, remember? And people from the yep. club were fucking taking our amps out. And um, actually Len Fagan, the guy that ran that club just died. Did you know that? I saw, yeah. He was my neighbor too in Laurel Canyon. He was great, but he allowed shit like that in his club. But what we were doing was like really breaking the law, breaking the law. <laughs> so <laughs> that was that was the end of that gig. That was the first that time. Sound, that sound guy was the worst too. I, because I, we all played there with all our other bands too, and he was the biggest dick as well. Yeah, he was a dick. I can't remember that's his why, name. I know. I was just gonna say that's why we're not mentioning his name. Not that I can remember it, but um, so, so yeah, Hunk of the Horny like made um videos for like German MTV that were in regular rotation and we made a single and um, I mean, just the whole hunk of your honey was just so fucking psychotic. But another sick thing that came out of the Ringling sisters was um, because Lou Adler produced us, um, they were having a giant, I think it was the 15th anniversary. I can't even remember if it was the 15th 15. or 20th. Yeah. 15th anniversary of Rocky horror. Um, of the Rocky Horror Show movie. So, um, so oh my up. God, where did you, he's showing a Rocky Horror Show. Um, is that a keychain from it? Yeah, 1990. Jesus. It's a necklace. Uh, how did you, well, I'm not going to ask you how you got that because you probably got it the same way you got the coffin, which we'll talk about in a second. <laughs> but, um, so anyway, we... We were going to be the the backup band for Richard O'Brien and Meatloaf and like Magenta and Columbia and stuff. The only person that wasn't there was like Tim Curry. But, yeah. Um, 
it was for the fan club. And so it was the whole 20th century Fox lot. And um, of course, what did we take before the show, Dave? As many mushrooms as humanly possible. <laughs> <laughs> so we started off sort of sober, but halfway through the set, it took a different turn. Also, I just got to say, for posterity's sake, that when we were doing the sound check with Meatloaf, he showed up in, in bright in bright white brushed denim bell bottoms and a white satin slim fast tour jacket because he was the yes, spokesperson. <laughs> You know, it's funny because like in 99, I went to an awards show when I was in Queens of the Stone Age in London for, I, I can't remember, it was like some rock and roll thing. And we got sat with Meatloaf and he started, he was like, because everybody was behaving themselves and he's like, what kind of fucking rock and roll party is this? Give us some tequila, bring us some bottles. Come on, motherfuckers. And he started really? screaming. And they started bringing us tequila and we get loaded with him. He's like, this isn't fucking rock and roll. It's a bunch of pussies here. And I was like, man, we should get him and honk if you're horny. Totally. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I got lice by the dashboard light. <laughs> but, but so um, we have to talk about what happened at the Rocky Horror Show party at the, at the fan club party that night, because the only thing that I really clearly remember was um, that you and I were laying there in the front and half the fan club people, and this was like hundreds or over, I think there was like at least 1,500 people there. Everybody all only... All dressed completely in Rocky Horror drag too. Yeah, and we were so on mushrooms that I kept losing band members and I'd be like, where's Annette? And you'd be like, I just saw her over there. She's wearing a, a, a black tailcoat. And then I would look around and there was like 480 <laughs> people in black tailcoats. Or there was like, you know, 300 Frankenfurters. And, and like, I mean. Um, well, the, the, way, the, the way the night started is Lou Adler came up to me and said, hey, do you guys have any weed? I have a friend that wants to smoke some weed. And we're like, I was like, yeah, I got plenty of weed. And he took us out back and it was Jack Nicholson. Oh my God. <laughs> so me and Gary and our friend Christian Shirok all smoked weed with got super stoned with him as the mushrooms were kicking in. And then we <laughs> And then after you and I got super high and wa we're watching, we we're like, nothing will ever be as weird as this. Like we've yeah, been we in were this I remember we were laying on a couch watching the movie playing while like thousands of people repeated the lines with it. <laughs> And it looked really beautiful, too. The way they had the place set up, it was really, really beautiful. Yeah, they had all sorts of great props, like for the castle and for for all of all of that. But so then um, I was so, well, I wasn't even high when I parked my car. I had a 1963 Comet, but I was so high that I lost the keys to the club, you know, that was the steering wheel lock. And yep. then you, you and Pierre, our drummer, who turned into Spank Williams in Honk If You're Horny. Um, didn't you guys break into the shop at 20th Century Fox to like try to get something to like saw the, the club off so I could drive home? We did indeed. <laughs> and then at one point, my friend Christian and I were standing watch, watching from the side and there was uh, a skeleton in a coffin and... We were like, that's really cool. And all of a sudden the skeleton was like, you guys got to get me out of here. <laughs> and, and we both looked at each other and I said, did you hear that? And he goes, I heard that. And he was like, I'm, I'm serious. You got to get me away from these people. You got to get me out of here. And we both looked at each other again. We're like, he goes, did you hear the skeleton? And I'm like, if, and then we were looking around to see if anyone was like ventriloquist. Yeah. And he said it, it was like, you have to get me out of here. So we just kind of looked around and we were like, okay, we're breaking you out of here. And we just picked it up and started carrying it out. And no one said anything or stopped us. And I remember we put it in my car. And at the time I had a 63 Comet too. Oh I had yeah, you had a yellow one, right? Yeah. I had the S22, the long one that had a giant uh, trunk and we put it in the trunk and 
did we give you a ride home that night? I, I, that no, I had to. I had to drive home myself, and when I drove, I felt like my arms were seven feet long, and I was driving down Santa Monica Boulevard, and I could see everyone's tail lights, and I felt like my comet was a rocket ship, and everyone else's tail lights were going doo, 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 like in yeah, tracers. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't recommend doing that. What we did a lot when we were. <laughs> No, no way. But so, so anyway, I get home and I'm still high. I don't, I don't remember going to sleep, but I do remember the landline ringing off the hook the next morning. And I finally stumbled out of bed and I was like, hello. You know, it was Julie Lou Adler's assistant. And she's like, pleasant. Do you know anything about the skeleton in the coffin? And I was like, what? And she's like, the skeleton. And I was like, what skeleton? She's like, the skeleton in the coffin. And I was like, I was like dumbfounded. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. She's like, from last night. And I was like, I didn't see a skeleton in a coffin. I saw a lot of Frankenfurter people. And she's like, okay, so you don't know anything about it? And they said, no. And then she said, okay, I'll check back with you later. I hung up the phone. I slugged down a bunch of coffee. I opened my front door and there was the fucking skeleton and <laughs> on the coffin hanging from my giant 100 year old tree in my yard. And I just looked at it and I was like, I did so many double takes. Like I, I got a whiplash. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and then I was like, at first I was like, did I steal that? No, I, did, I couldn't even like drive my car, you know, <laughs> like. I don't know how we ended up Putting it at your place, you know, that that's that is uh, 30 years ago, believe it or not. <laughs> but I lived in Laurel Canyon and Christian lived a couple of miles from you. We must have been so high. We decided to put it at your house for a while. Yeah, because also I had that big yard and then there was also like some kind of a hook in the tree, which I don't know if you remembered or just took use of at the moment that you hung the skeleton from. It was like yeah, hanging yeah. from a branch on, on this metal hook in this like hundred year old tree. Um, <laughs> he lives in New Orleans now. I, I left when I moved there to start the restaurant. Uh, when I moved back, I left him there. He's he's still at Christian's house. Yeah. The skeleton. Yeah, we had we had some sick times in New Orleans at Mardi Gras too, you and me. I mean, I don't even know where to start with the fucking stories. The, um, what can you think of any other? Well, I know you tell, tell me like the sickest thing that happened to you on the road that either did or did not involve me. Uh, I don't know. You know, I think mostly on the road was with you. Uh, some of the Steve Heck parties that we went to were some of the craziest times ever. All right, let's describe, I'm going to describe in, you know, a concise description of what this place was like. Our friend Steve Heck was a piano mover. He now owns a bar that's that's like 45 miles outside of Reno called the Buck Inn. And the, um, the sign is like too dear fucking. <laughs> but when he was a piano mover, he had a warehouse in Oakland called... Um, Phoenix Ironworks, because that's what it had been called originally. It was an ironworks near the dock. And the shit that happened there that was private parties ruined any kind of like the rave scene. And I'm saying that in quotes for me or Dave or anyone else that went there, because that was so lame compared to like the private parties that happened at Phoenix Ironworks. Phoenix Ironworks was like, it was bigger than a couple of football fields put together. There was a Boeing airline bus parked in inside it that was like a guest room there was like two kitchens a recording studio a full-size skateboard ramp and it was right in the middle of downtown oakland and this was before oakland got gentrified so there was like scary you know, scary yeah there was like like burnt out little like craftsman houses all over the place that had been crack houses and there was this amazing bar called Esther's Orbit Room that was right around the corner that was where all the beautiful black ladies went pre and post church on Sundays <laughs> and it had the Which best is where we ended up many times all the time so also every Steve time. what every time we ended up there Easter so Sunday Steve, well, Easter Sunday was a good one that we ended well, up there always yes when I remember you on Easter Sunday dancing, like dirty dancing to Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe with one of the kitchen ladies who was still wearing her uniform and like dry humping you. <laughs> <laughs> the one and thing so, you forgot 
something about Steve Hex is there were rooms made out of pianos. There were yes. so many pianos in there that there were actual rooms and mazes that you had to go through. And at one point, they had a stage that you could play that were that was like three pianos high. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like a, I would say like a 15 foot stage made out of pianos. That was pretty crazy. And then I remember one of the rooms, someone had built a roof and then grown grass. Do you remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And Inside they always, a warehouse. They always had, they always had like the Tesla coils there. Do you remember the party with the Tesla? Because, because also Steve is one of the people that helps bring all the crazy giant shit, like huge Tesla coils out to Burning Man. Do you remember yeah. the Tesla coil party at the warehouse? Yeah, it started with the smashing of the two pianos. Remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Pianos and, and smashed them together. And of course, everybody again is on tons of drugs. And I remember we're people talking like there was like 300 people there that night, at least. Easily. And everybody, I just remember people running to touch the Tesla coil. I mean, it was a full on giant Tesla coil in the middle of the street. And it was it was hooked up to a um, like a 1960s Valiant was the generator, like the battery. Yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> And it was shooting purple lightning bolts like like half a block away and you could smell all the ozone. It was amazing. Do you remember when the cops came? There's yes, I of, do. Do you remember what they said? What did when, they say? One of the cops looked at Steve Hack and he's like, <laughs> he was like, like there was homeless people coming as though it was like, like Christ. I mean, everyone was from all walks of life was just like walking hypnotized towards the Tesla coil. It was insanity. There was like, there was like old women in their bathrobes. And then there was like yeah. crazy, sketchy crack people and stuff. But so the cops finally rolled up and they were watching it. And then finally one got out of the, the car with his hand on his holsters. And he walks up to Steve and he goes, do you have a permit for this kind of thing? And Steve like looked at him and he goes, I don't, there's not even a permit for this. How could you make a permit for this? And the cop just kind of like looked at it and nodded his head and they said, I guess not. <laughs> I think he said, you have to get all these people to leave. And Steve was like, be my guest. And the guy was like, oh, okay. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think those were my favorite craziest times. And like you said, Esther's orbit room was just, you know, the, the clown party was one of the first times I'd been there where everyone had to dress like a clown. And I'm still friends with, with uh, Heidi, who was the only person there not in clown makeup. <laughs> she was really, she's good friends with Steve, but she, she refused to put on clown makeup for some reason. Because she was scared of clowns? <laughs> Probably. Well, she was hanging with us for sure. That was the night that I turned into a clown fucker, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we all went to Esther's that morning, too. As soon as I think they opened at 6 a.m., is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So you could stay up until 6 and then go there and drink until you were, you could barely walk back to the piano warehouse. Until, until the, I remember sometimes we were there, the kitchen ladies would just put like plates of food in front of us. And we'd yeah, be like, we didn't order this. And she'd been like, you, you've been here six hours. You got to eat something. <laughs> yeah. Great food there too. Yeah. Um, tell, what's like a good New Orleans story you have? Well, the, during the last time that you were there, that Bill and Todd were there, we all went to the uh, uh, corner pocket. pocket <laughs> okay, describe what that place is. It is the greatest all-male strip club in the whole world. I, I think, at least if there's a better one, I've never been in there. Have you? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's, it is the best. And it's, it's like it's a classic old French Quarter dive bar. But they have male strippers walking on top of the bar. They typically do not let females in to that place, <laughs> or they discourage it anyway. So there's not usually very many women in there. But they, they'll do anything 
any, you know, basically anything that they're not supposed to do, they do. Yeah. So, so watching, watching Bill and, and Todd get so crazy and having so much fun with you was so fun. And then the, the dirtiest dancer of all was this kid. And we got so loaded and we went out afterwards. But like the next afternoon when I woke up, I went to Rouse's, the supermarket in the French Quarter. And I'm looking for something and there's there's someone stocking the shelves and I'm looking around and he keeps looking over. But he can tell I'm confused, but he's not saying anything. And finally, I, I go up to ask him. Wait, but guys are also hard to mess with, with your like giant long beard and shit. <laughs> <laughs> that too. But I look around and I'm like, I'm like, excuse me. And he turns around and he just goes, shh. And it was the <laughs> answer before. And he's like, you can't say anything. I'll lose my job here. And I, I was wondering, like, how could you make more money at a grocery store than at a crazy strip bar? But there, <laughs> we, I'm after the Ringling Sisters, I moved to New Orleans and opened a restaurant with Christian Chirac, the guy that we took the, uh, we took the skeleton. Yeah. And, and uh, we had, we had a really great 20, it was open Wednesday noon through Sunday noon. It was, it was called the waterfront cafe incorporated. And I rented this building from this guy. Uh, it had a restaurant, a bar and a venue, and then six bedroom house above it in a, in a uptown neighborhood. So the guy that rented it, he was a bar owner and he, he didn't want us to have the bar, but he said we could have the house, the restaurant and the venue for a thousand bucks a month. And that included utilities and everything. So we were open noon, Wednesday, 24 hours until Sunday noon. And we would also, the other partner was ended up being in Hawk of your horny for South by Southwest. And that was Homer sexual. (laughs) (laughs) And, we used to, the craziest times that we used to have is we used to buy drinks from the bar and they'd give us like, you know, dollar drinks or whatever. And they were, we were like, well, if we just bought like a gallon of whiskey, then we wouldn't have to buy drinks and that'll last us the weekend. But then we would just go through a gallon of whiskey that night. But we used to, we used to drink. And then when we get off Sunday morning, we, we'd all had been on seriously like 72 hour shifts and stuff because there were only a few of us that worked there. And we would get in my convertible with whatever was left in the gallon bottle of whiskey and drive with the top down to the French quarter and go visit our friends that were working bars there. <laughs> and I would never, ever recommend this. And I'm the luckiest person ever that has never gotten arrested while drinking and dry. I did get a DUI one time and I wasn't even drinking. That's another story, but we would do shit like that. And then, and then actually when that time that we went to South by Southwest with honk of your horny, if you remember, we had about 10 people in my, in my convertible. Yeah. All of us in honk gear again, drinking with open containers in the car. And all of a sudden there was just this, one, we were going the wrong way down a one-way street. Shockingly. <laughs> shockingly. But it, it was really strange because it, none of us noticed. I mean, we didn't notice until we got pulled over by a cop. <laughs> and and as, as he's walking up to the car, some one of the girls that we didn't know was saying, like, hey, did you find any stolen merchandise today? Somebody stole some stuff from me. And we were like, what the fuck? And the cop came up. And I was like, I'm sorry, officer. I didn't know it was a one way street. And he said, yeah, that's, it's fine. People, people do this all the time. It's not really easy to see. All right. You guys have a nice evening and let us go. (laughs) I don't know. Many, many times I've had angels on my shoulders. Oh yeah. Or or devils, whichever, whoever's making it happen. Those those days in New Orleans were, were pretty, you know, it was a different city back then, too. Oh, yeah. It was, it was so far before, like, the um, Katrina trauma. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it was full-on Wild West. Shit would never happen like that today. I mean, Hollywood was like that, too. Kind of. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the blacklight. 
Yeah, <laughs> another another tranny hooker bar. <laughs> another tranny hooker bar that you could buy Coke at the at the bar itself. The Fox Cutter, <laughs> you could buy Blow and oh. Yeah. And, Ground Zero. I forgot about Ground Zero. Uh, the zero, yeah, the Zero was when me and Iris were the bartenders there, and that that was an illegal bar to begin with. That was yeah. totally illegal. It was that was an after-hours speakeasy that moved all over Hollywood in the eighties. And um, John Belushi was a regular. David Lee Roth was like on the board of directors. I mean, that was that was such insanity, and no, that was how I met Iris. What? Well, that, that's the zero, zero, one. I'm, I was also talking, remember ground zero? Oh, yeah, ground zero. Oh, my God. I, I mean, zero, zero is another crazy, same. That's another speakeasy. Yeah. That you're talking about, that David Lee Roth was one of the main owners. Yeah, yeah. But ground zero, that you mean the after hours that Baba had with her 14-year-old daughters being the cocktail waitress and, and me and, and Iris making electric punch? Absolutely. With sheets of acid in it. (laughs) Yes. They were like, do you want the electric punch or do you want regular drinks? People thought we were kidding. We played there a few times and you could buy blow at the, at the bar there too. Cause I mean, everything was so illegal there, but that, that didn't open until two in the morning or three in the morning, I think. Yeah. And it went until like noon the next day. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we played, we played there a few times with the horse heads, I remember, with Larry. Yeah. Um, with Larry, who's now still Iggy Pop's drummer, right? Uh, no, he doesn't play with Iggy anymore. He plays in Nick Cave in the Bad Seeds now. Oh, wow. But I think the last time I saw him in real life was when Iggy came um, to see me belly dance at an Arab club, and Larry was with <laughs> <laughs> He's doing really great. I, I see him occasionally. He's been out here and played on some stuff and he recorded a record out here with some friends of his and he's, he does great. He does music for films and plays with Nick cave and some of the other guys from Nick cave and still is really good friend. He ended up playing in the stooges when Iggy got stooges back together too. After wow. rock act. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, do you feel like talking about anything about a clan or is that too much of a bummer? I, yeah, I don't mind. I mean, of course it was a huge, the hugest bummer ever, but you know, we, I mean, we don't have to, but, um, I just remember I was going to try to go to that show cause you and I missed each other in London and then someone yep. called me to come back to England a day early. And that was how I missed it. And then when I, when I heard about it, or, or I can't remember the pacing of it. Or when I heard about it, I was flipping out. I kept trying to call your cell phone. Yeah. Everybody. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really glad that you didn't make that. We played, we played the night before for, uh, it was a show called Gutter Damarag. It was, a uh, it, it fused movies and sets and music all together. Like Lemmy was part of it. Uh, Grace Jones was there. Some of Iggy's band, and we was all. That in Paris was that? No, that was, in, that was. This was this was in London. Uh huh. And we played that, and then the next morning we got on the the bullet train or the train, yeah. went to went to Paris and played that show. But yeah, it was it was. It's such a stupid. It's so stupid what those people did. It was horrible, you know, like a bunch of the nicest people ever having a nice time and just radicals coming in and killing people. And, you know, it was, it was horrible. We lost our merch guy, Nick Alexander, who was, and so many of our friends got murdered and, and, and shot, you know? So, and for no reason, those people weren't super religious. They were supposedly on Valium and cocaine to get into the vibe of doing it. Jesus. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's just, I shouldn't have even brought that up. I'm sorry, but I just thought like, um, trying to go in some form of a a fucking timeline. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, that for sure was not cool at all. And that's the craziest thing that's ever happened on tour for sure. Yeah, no shit. I mean, I mean, not even in any, yeah. 
um, what what are you working? Tell tell us about your mezcal because that's also insane. But <laughs> well, it's doing really amazing. We're we're gonna be this. This is the bottle right here. I know that, that should be on a face mask. The label of the bottle, Rancho de la Luna, with like the crescent moon. I looked at it the other day and I felt like it needs to be on a pandemic face mask. <laughs> Actually, I've been wearing my bandana with it on, giving a little bit. But we, unfortunately, we, our partners ripped us off and stole our trademark. But being that it was stolen in Mexico, it was a real pain in the ass to get it back. But we just got it back. Uh, a little while ago and now we're in production right now and then of course the whole thing that's going on with the pandemic put us behind for a minute but i think we're going to be back on the shelves in uh june early june that's good and, and you're gonna you're gonna love it it honestly is the best mezcal i've ever tried in my life does it have worms in it no no <laughs> this is this shit this, this shit is really good it's not it's not like it's it's not the the kind with the worms in it. Thank God. Okay, then I'll totally drink it then. <laughs> <laughs> You'll love it. I, honestly, it's it's the best alcohol I've ever had in my life. That's amazing. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't give you a hangover either, which I've tried because we we hope my partner's Bingo Richie and one of my best friends. He's in Mojave Lords with me and. He and I, he came up with the idea, actually. It's, it's all his brainchild, and he does all the heavy lifting. But uh, when we started it, we were like, we have to go out and host parties. That's what we're going to, that's going to be our part of it. So we hosted parties in Portland and uh, L.A. and New Orleans and Chicago. And we we have had to drink quite a bit, and neither of us has ever had a hangover because it's all, it's pure agave. It doesn't yeah. have any additives or anything. So it's not, it doesn't, it's really good to drink. It's just pure. The, um, that's, a, I know that like a, if it's pure like that, then it's usually like you won't get it. I think it's like all the, the cogeners or coloring agents that mostly get yeah. people hangovers. Yeah. And the sugar and stuff, you know, yeah. Yeah. additives. But yeah. But this is great, and we can't wait to be back in business. We were having such a great time, and we were doing so well. And it, it just sucks that people have to uh, fuck you over. I don't, I don't know why that's a th why that's a thing. I've never really wanted to fuck anyone over in my whole life, so I can't figure out why other people think that's cool. I know it's so weird. I I, I was actually talking about that sort of thing, not in a business way, but in. A, in human person to person way like of that because you're you're like seriously like one of the nicest people i know for Aww. how reliably insane you are <laughs> <laughs> who who have you been um i know that you probably don't know when you're going on tour again because of pandemic -y shit but who have you been recording lately or have you made recordings or like who are some of your favorite um bands or artists right now well, I was actually, I, I should be in England right now with Masters of Reality. We had a, a tour booked May 1st through the 18th, obviously not there. So we've been working on that new record. Uh, we're almost done with the, we were actually done with the Mojave Lords album and we decided we were going to tweak some of the mixes and then the whole pandemic thing hit. And so now that we can't, be around each other so much we're gonna wait until we can uh, we just did a desert sessions uh, last year which was uh, billy gibbons from zz top and mike from royal blood carl azure from auto lux and jack white's band uh, just a bunch of really cool people so we, we do a series with, it's Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age. He does these things called Desert Sessions where he brings in some of his favorite musicians. Stella Magaswa from uh, Warpaint was playing on it. and it's, it's just Jake Shears was on it. I mean, there's just all these really cool people he brings together out here because it's such a funky place. 
and get together and do that. Those are always super fun because there's no expectations and there's, you know, you just kind of do it. Having Iggy pop out here to do his record was really fun. It was, that was like for six weeks and that was great. The Arctic Monkeys have recorded out here. They've done a couple of albums out here and they're, they're the nicest guys. Um, pretty much everyone that comes here is super cool. You know, if, if they want to come out here, then they're a different breed of people. Yeah, right? for sure. And you got to come out here because we need to do some, some recording together. Yeah, we got to do that. As soon, as soon as the face masks are off, I'll come out there. I know. I know Annette was coming out here a lot, but I never, she never came by. I don't know what happened with that. Um, but yeah, we'll get, we'll get the gang back together. Oh I've, been talking, okay. I've been talking to Pierre a little bit. He's doing good. You mean Spank Williams? No. <laughs> I've been talking to Spank Williams. He's been doing good. Um, I haven't spoken to Iris directly in a while. You know, we kind of like hit each other through social media a little bit. Yeah, I talked to, talk to her. She just, um, she just revamped the Punk Hostage Press website. It looks great. Do you want a tarot reading, Dave? I would love that. I haven't had one in so long. Okay. I'm going to give you a little quick one. Do you have a specific question or do you want it to just be um, uh, general? You do it whatever you think. You you are psychic and, and electric, so I'll let you decide what you want to do. Okay. That is one thing that everybody should know. You seriously are electric and psychic for sure. That, that is a full-on real thing. It's no bullshit. I know. So I, like, I remember when I used to try to keep the electric thing a secret, like until yeah. everyone would... <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, nobody wants to bring a computer around you. I know, or a dot machine. <laughs> oh. Okay, here's, um, I'm laying out your cards now. Oh, wow, you got, okay, so your first card is the three of wands, and this is um, looking ahead to the future. Also, he's in a desert, can you see? Oh, that's awesome. So this is a great future card for you. Good, I need Four it. Four of Swords is what's going on here. And this is rest and contemplation, which you get all the time because you live in the middle of the desert. But it's also, that's also about strategizing for the future. Yes, and I've been resting a lot because there's not a lot you can do. You get the Queen of Pentacles. And you were just talking about how great it is living out there in your recording studio and stuff. Now I'm going to, I'm going to shuffle up and say what, what do you need to know coming up or what's some, some good energy for you coming up? Are we, I would love to know if it's going to be safe to travel and be around friends that I've missed like you. Okay. Yeah. Just for the record, once again, in case nobody figured it out, this is a pandemic interview. Yes, indeed. Okay, so you got the Nine of Swords reversed, which means you're not going to have to, you're probably not going to be stressing about things like touring and traveling and stuff fairly soon. You got Strength, which is, um, that's a major arcana card. That's about how well you know yourself and your compassion for others. And you got the Hanged Man reversed. So, this kind of means that things are going to happen quicker than you expected them to. And your last card in this line about touring is the Ace of Cups, and that Aces are always just a little bit off in the future. So when I look at this, like <clears throat> it's not giving like a definite date of when um, that's going to happen, but you're going to have like you can stop stressing out about it too because it looks like things will probably be optimal at least to start booking stuff or to booking booking things with like a finite um, rain check or pandemic check date just in case. But um, in the time that it's taking for that to happen, you're getting to know yourself and feel yourself and like sort of um, hone your desires a little bit more. And you also are having, you know, like your 
you're entering like a new phase. And I think stuff is going to open up quicker than you thought, because with the hanged man, if the hangman was upright, yeah. it would be like, you have to just wait. That's, that's like sort of like, you just wait for the universe to like, you know, get on with the divine timing, but um, reverse, I think it's going to happen quicker. And then ace of cups is always, you're going to get, get your wish. And it's all about creativity and fun and people you love and celebration. So I think that's, that that's great plus if you look at ace of cups we can pretend it's full of rancho de la luna mezcal (laughs) (laughs) i I wish it were right now i would too i'd I'd fucking lick this card right now (laughs) (laughs) i can't wait till you try it i love it oh i would lick it but then it's gonna get stuck to my other cards I'll, i'll pretend i'm licking it through a surgical mask um do you have anything that you want to, any, any kind of reminders or do you want to say your social media or anything for our listeners? Well, you can follow me on Instagram at I took this photo, I-T-O-O-K-T-H-I-S-P-H-O-T-O. Twitter at Rancho De La Luna. You can follow the Mezcal at RanchoMezcal.com. And the studio is RanchoDeLaLuna.com. And everybody should be following you and listening to you every time you do anything because you're the coolest person I've ever met in my life. You do the craziest, most awesome things. And it's never stopped. You know, <laughs> it, it never stopped. It, it, I don't know. I, I just, I'll never forget sitting with you at the Rocky Horror Picture just saying, It will never get as weird as this, but it just kept on getting weirder and weirder. (laughs) We are way overdue for a trip. We'll have to hire you to do one of our parties too. Oh my God. Yes. I would totally do that. We're going to be doing, we're going to be doing some stuff as soon as we can. And we'll hire you to be one of our amazing people at one of the, the LA things. Or fly you into New Orleans. That would be more fun. Oh fuck yeah, let's do that. We'll have to we'll have to take out insurance policies on each other. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I had a giant fiftieth birthday party in New Orleans where all my bands played, which would I should have I should have had you come, but like a lot like a Masters, Earthlings, Eagles of Death Metal, uh, Mojave Lords, Gnarl Tones, we all played over a couple of nights. And uh, my 60th will be not this year, but next June. And we'll have to do a maybe, maybe we can do a honk of your horny Ringling Sisters. We'll do honk one night and Ringling Sisters. We'll do Ringling Sisters first night. Yeah, first night. Yeah. <laughs> and then honk the second night. We'll and do Friday Betty, night Ringling Sisters and the Saturday Betty night. Honk. Ford, Betty Ford, the third night. <laughs> <laughs> What's the date? I love you so much, Dave. I love you too, and I miss you. I can't wait till we can hang out together. Mwah, in real Mwah. life. Thanks for calling me. <laughs> it was my pleasure. The pleasure was mine. Mwah. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. <laughs> Well, that was the incredible Dave Catching. Man, they really broke the mold when they made him, didn't they? I should have married him decades ago. What the hell was I thinking? For more of Dave, you can find him online at his recording studio website, ranchodelaluna.com. He's also on Twitter as Mojave Lords. That's M-O-J-A-V-E. L-O-R-D-S, also as Rancho de la Luna and Rancho Mezcal. 
He's on Instagram as at I took this photo. For that matter, you guys should follow me. My website is pleasantgaiman.com. I'm on Twitter as pleasantgaiman1 or on Instagram as princess of Hollywood. And now that we're hopping on the following train, follow Pantheon Podcasts on Twitter and make sure you stop over at the website, download an episode or two, and send your friends. That's pantheonpodcasts.com. Catch you for the next episode, sinners. Excuse me, could you please keep both your hands on the wheel, please? Oh, come on, baby, I just want a little bit of action, you know. Hey, cut it out! That. We're gonna have an accident. Oh, Stop it! Like, oh, come on, honey. Hey, look! All I want is a ride of the state pen. Oh man, get hey, your hands off me! Hey, shut up, hey! You know the rules. Come on, put out or get out. Nobody rides for free. Music is written and hosted by Pleasant Gaiman. Produced by Aaron Alden. All sound design by Jerry Danielson of Busy Signal Studios. And of course, is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at pantheonpodcasts.com. Our social presence is at Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods. All songs can be found wherever you get great music. Please pick up these important and fantastic tracks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.